My name is Nemorinjerenje. I'm 42 years. At first, it was a hard thing for me to, to know that I'm diabetic. My name is Michelle Jaga. I live in Zimcha Park. I'm 18 years old. I, as a diabetic patient, I have many needs. Like when we have a surgeon, based of sugar diabetes, like a surgeon raising blood glucose, I can communicate with my, with my doctor. For example, Mr. Zamba, I can talk with him through WhatsApp and then he can give us advice on how to do, on what to do in order to make my blood glucose to, low, to be lowered. Now the challenge I'm having and facing as a patient, if MSF group leave us now, are we going to survive? Who, are, who is going to look, who is going to give us medication? Welcome to Everyday Emergency. I'm Amber Dow from Medicine Sans Frontier, Doctors Without Borders. The voices you just heard were from diabetic patients receiving treatment from MSF. Now you've probably already heard of diabetes. It's incredibly common. And you've probably heard of an amazing life-saving drug called insulin that many diabetic patients rely on to survive. What you probably don't know is that 100 years on, since the discovery of this marvellous medicine, and despite the patent being sold for just a dollar, almost half of the people who need insulin still can't access it. Right now, millions are at risk of serious health complications and even death. Diabetes is becoming a genuine humanitarian emergency. You're listening to Everyday Emergency, a podcast from Doctors Without Borders. First up, let's run through a quick crash course in diabetes. Diabetes is a common but chronic disease that occurs when your body either doesn't produce enough insulin or doesn't use it properly, as it's the hormone that regulates blood sugar. Now, you might already know there are two forms of diabetes. In this episode, we'll mainly be talking about type 1, a lifelong condition that's often diagnosed at a young age. People with type 1 can't produce their own insulin at all, so they have to monitor their blood sugar levels and are dependent on insulin injections. Management of this condition, in the midst of conflict and disaster, is incredibly difficult. In 2020, a deadly explosion shook Beirut. It left the city reeling with its healthcare system and population under real strain. After the explosion, many people lost their jobs, their homes, their belongings, especially their medications. This is Farah Haris, who works with MSF in Lebanon. Farah manages home-based care for patients with long-term conditions living in and around Beirut. People on chronic medications, especially diabetics on insulin, they can't make it on their own. So here, uh, MSF played a major role in supporting them with their chronic medications, providing consultations with doctors and nurses, follow-ups on, regu on a regular basis, and all that entails that management. So some patients need diagnostics, for example, for better management, for adjustments of their dosages. So MSF contributed in covering that part to optimise their health status. This can be a real problem for patients living in places without free and reliable public health care. Affordability and the costs uh, of diabetes management is really difficult in Lebanon, especially that uh, the healthcare system in Lebanon goes more towards the private sector rather than the public sector. So you can manage your diabetes in a public sector that has to do with PHCCs, but it's not fully covered. It doesn't give the comprehensive package that a diabetic needs. 
For instance, in the private sector, patients' costs of diabetes could range anywhere from around 300,000 Lebanese liras. And we're talking here about the basic treatment with minimal consumption of insulin and interrupted blood sugar testing. So this excludes the doctor's visit, which could be at least 150,000 liras nowadays, excluding lab tests, which should be uh, at least twice a year, and supplements that most diabetics should be on for better management and uh, delays in complications. And this range could go up to easily around uh, 2,500,000 Lebanese liras. So if a patient wants to really manage their diabetes, let us say have their insulin nonstop, their supplements, their follow-ups, a continuous blood sugar monitoring system, and the pump therapy. This is where the costs actually add up. Pumps are really expensive, at least $4,000, and their management, as mentioned earlier, could go up to 2.5 million liras. This excludes the consultations, the lab tests, and everything. All this with the fact that the minimum wage in Lebanon is around 600,000 Lebanese liras, which is basically less than $100 nowadays in our current situation. Patients do really need to follow up with their doctors, consultations with different specialties, uh, different tests, diagnostics for optimal monitoring and management of the disease. The more advanced the management uh, and needs for the treatment, the higher are the costs. Such advanced care is found in the private healthcare system usually, and you won't find it in the public healthcare system. One thing that could help people keep their blood sugar stable and slow the need for more expensive advanced care is maintaining a healthy and balanced diet. But this is much easier said than done. The management of the, the disease is very difficult when it comes to the nutritional part. With the difficult economical crisis people uh, are facing, they can't actually afford healthy foods such as proteins, vegetables, fibres and fruits. All they depend on is starch, such as potato, bread, pasta and rice. They come in bulk, they give easy and fast satiety, and they are cheap. These are the biggest enemies to diabetes because instead of having normal blood sugar levels, they spike, and it all goes to the vicious cycle. The blood sugar spikes, you need insulin, you don't have insulin, your blood pressure is still rotating around being highs, and then if they take more insulin, their blood sugar might decrease. So it's never-ending. The challenges here comes because patients' comprehension to the matter gets blocked as we explain about the importance of variety of their diet. The first thing they tell you is that we can't buy food, we can't exercise or walk because there's no space to walk. They live in shelters or tents or even when they're living in buildings, but streets are, are like really close and they can't exercise, especially when it comes to elderly. With children, it's usually easier because, you know, they like to jump around on the stairs, doing, going up and down, playing with their friends and in the neighborhoods. But when it comes to adults, you can't tell them other than to move around as much as possible in the house. And it's not just about lifestyle. Many patients have to take a dangerous approach to managing their medication too. Unfortunately, in order for people to balance the costs of their disease, patients tend to go towards the rationalization of their medications and dosaging. So, for instance, instead of taking 20 units, for instance, per day, they would go cut it in half. And they tell you this way, instead of that bot or pool covering one month, it will cover two months. So they rationalize or they skip meals in order not to take insulin. So I'm not going to have lunch now. This way I don't take my rapid insulin. I'll have dinner. Or they skip doses. 
So they eat, but they skip their dose. And again, this we go back to the vicious cycle discussed earlier. All of this is getting much tougher for diabetic patients living in places already hit hard by long-term crises. Challenges were and uh, are still actually increasing with most diabetics uh, in Lebanon, be it the host community, the vulnerable ones, or even those who can actually afford their treatments, to migrants and to refugees. Accessibility to medication and insulin has been uh, supported uh, for too long now uh, by NGOs. The challenges are that not all medications are available in the market nowadays. Shortages of uh, chronic disease medications are uh, are increasing due to many factors, such as uh, the importation to Lebanon uh, because of the economical crisis has got worse due to the fact that the dollar exchange rate uh, has been increasing. So uh, importers uh, are finding it hard to buy their medications and bring them to Lebanon. And other economical factors, contributing factors actually, are causing that shortage. Also, PHCs and dispensaries uh, have been facing shortages due to the increased influx of patients to enroll in, the, in their services, thus affecting the supply with the increased demand. Diabetes requires yearly checkups with different specialties. Patients should follow up with the ophthalmologist, with the neurologist, with the cardiologist. It's an entire system that can get affected. Complications of the disease are overwhelming and very costly. Yet patients, they prefer to put bread on the table, uh, overpaying that for uh, for managing, managing their disease. Once they move from the primary care, if complications start, they're going to move to the secondary and tertiary care. And here, the costs are even higher, especially that if they're not available in the public sector, going into the private sector is going to be overwhelming for them. Farah knows that MSF can help new patients face a daunting diagnosis. In fact, she's got an especially personal connection to them. I am a diabetic myself, so it made me want to advocate and support people more on this uh, on this matter, especially with children. Because uh, throughout my work with uh, MSF, I saw a lot of uh, children with type 1 and their parents needed a lot of support and they were refugees mainly. It's never easy to come and tell a parent that their child's life is dependent on an injection for the rest of their lives or prove to them that their child will grow to be a beautiful, successful person. I come into the clinic and discuss with them and tell them that I'm a living proof in front of them and that diabetes is not a death sentence. On the contrary, it contributes a lot to the life uh, of the child and even as, a, as an adult uh, person, it, it teaches them a lot uh, how to be fully responsible of themselves, even as children, and uh, how to take care of themselves. You've just heard about the situation in Lebanon. That's just one place where MSF is delivering care for people living with type 1 diabetes. But why is such a common condition still so difficult to care for? a century after an effective treatment was discovered. To find out, we spoke to an expert on diabetes care in humanitarian crises. My name is Amulia Rebi, and I work with MSF as a non-communicable diseases advisor. Amulia works as part of MSF's Research and Medical Innovation Unit, based in London. Unfortunately, non-communicable disease is not a very helpful term. It includes everything in the medical textbook other than infectious diseases. So for now, I am working with MSF teams in different countries, um, providing care for diseases such as hypertension, heart disease, 
respiratory diseases such as asthma, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, epilepsy or seizure disorders, and then, of course, diabetes, which is a major one and one that we're talking about today. You might be wondering why we're talking about diabetes now. Here's Amulia to explain. Diabetes is a huge and increasing problem. We know that the number of people living with diabetes has doubled in the past 30 years, and it has gone from 425 million people in 2017 to 463 million in 2019. We expect it to go to 629 million by 2045, so, so that's a massive increase in, in the coming years that we really need to try to address ahead of time especially since the greatest increases are expected in Africa. There's a 156% increase expected in Africa, up to 41 million people, and then a 110% increase in the Middle East and North Africa. So we're really looking at a lot of people. And we know that about 38 million people living with type 2 diabetes need insulin now, and we think that up to 70 million people will need insulin by 2045. Now, MSF is an organisation known for working in conflict zones and natural disasters. So why are we choosing to speak out about something as everyday as diabetes? The reason MSF is working on diabetes is in part this insulin access issue. We've identified that there is a, a real problem with the availability of insulin worldwide. The majority of people who are living with diabetes are in the low and middle income countries where MSF works, so it's very relevant for our work and also for the, for the people that we are trying to assist. As it is a chronic disease, once a person develops diabetes, it is a lifelong condition that requires continuous medication and treatment over time. And without these medications and treatment, complications develop, complications such as blindness, kidney failure, and even heart disease, including heart attacks and strokes. And then diabetes is actually one of the most common causes of amputation because it can lead to um, circulation problems and then um, the infections and ulcerations particularly. Even in conflict zones, during deadly epidemics or in refugee camps, the need for insulin is still there. In such volatile settings, storing this vital medicine is complicated and it's a problem we've been working to solve. One of our doctors went to Democratic Republic of Congo for the Ebola intervention and she saw some children who were in the hospital where people had assumed they had HIV because they were so thin. But when she spoke to the doctor there, he said that um, actually some of them have type 1 diabetes, but they're not able to get insulin and, and, and they're not able to afford insulin. And so, so they end up in, in the hospital like that. And then he's also limited. So he doesn't have much supply. So he does what he can. We know that the vast majority of these children don't get diagnosed in this way. And they, they die and we're not even aware that they died of diabetes. So part of the reason that MSF has started addressing diabetes, particularly type 1 diabetes, is because we know we have had people, especially children, come into our hospital programs in diabetic ketoacidosis, which is a complication of type 1 diabetes, where the sugar of glucose goes extremely high. And then uh, they develop um, nausea, vomiting, and then it even affects consciousness. They can go into coma and they become severely dehydrated because of the 
uncontrolled sugar. If it's not treated at all, it leads to death. And we would see children come into our hospitals in diabetic ketoacidosis, and then we would provide the insulin in the hospital, get them under control, but then not be able to give them the insulin to take home, in part for, for the same idea that we were thinking that they wouldn't be able to keep it without refrigeration. So in some places, we were giving these children insulin daily. They, they were actually coming every day to the hospital or the clinic for injection. We know we've had uh, some people actually move closer to the hospital or clinic so they could start coming every day for injections. One of the uh, things that we did was look into the thermal stability of insulin. So actually do some testing in conditions in a refugee camp, uh, conditions in, in Kenya to see whether we could give them the, the insulin to use at home using one of these uh, locally made cooling devices, so, such as a, a, a can with the charcoal uh, to keep the insulin cool. That's one of the uh, things that we've been able to do to try to help them with their diabetes and, and try to use the insulin at home. This isn't just an issue of resource. Instead, it's the prices and policies of big pharmaceutical corporations that mean insulin and the at-home kit required to use it is so hard to get hold of in the first place. The reason that insulin prices are high in the current market is that three insulin manufacturers control the global market. These companies are Eli Lilly, Novo Nordisk and Sanofi. And you would think that having three companies would be a good thing since it's not a monopoly, but actually what we've seen is that they appear to mirror each other's price rises. So over the past 10, 20 years, they have been increasing prices continuously to the point where insulin has really become unaffordable for many people. It's outrageous, really, thinking that uh, originally the scientists who discovered insulin intended universal access. For Amelia, it's clear that responding to this man-made crisis is now at a critical point. It's been an unacknowledged emergency. While we were able to, to address many other issues, particularly in MSF, in, in, in our interventions for, for infectious diseases, including HIV, um, this is something that I think even we've been slow to recognize because, again, for people with type 1 diabetes, insulin is absolutely life-saving. You know, without it, they cannot survive. And to know that we have people with type 1 diabetes in the places we work, but you know, we know that they go mostly undiagnosed and die from the disease without ever having been noted to have it. So while our medics are working to treat people living with diabetes around the world, what's MSF doing to stop the vicious cycle continuing? We are advocating for improved insulin access through our links with the World Health Organization and through some efforts with, with industry and with, uh, with, with these pharmaceutical companies. So what we would like to see is insulin prices that are transparent and that reflect the cost of production because we've had a study in 2018 that showed that insulin prices could potentially be much lower. 
In fact, Amulia says that MSF's work, particularly with refugees and displaced people, means we have a duty to speak out about what we're witnessing and to work for better care. We have seen that people are needing to ration their insulin because it is too expensive and they can't afford to to buy both the medicine and food. And in most of the places that we have started providing insulin, they would not have the medication if MSF weren't providing it free of charge. We've seen this in, in Africa, we've seen this in the Middle East. With the Syria crisis, it's a middle-income country, but as people are displaced and they lose their, their means to earn a living and they're living as refugees in other countries, it puts them in, in the very same situation that, um, that they are unable to obtain what they need for their daily lives and without uh, support from MSF and, and some other agencies that are working in those areas, they, they, wouldn't, um, they wouldn't have medication at all. And then as they are um, moving from, from place to place, if they're, if they're not able to renew their supply, if they if they're start uh, running out, they, they have to, to ration uh, and, uh, and then their diabetes gets out of control along the way. So, where are we now? Well, as we mark this anniversary of insulin's discovery, we're determined that this will be the moment where we can come together and change things for people living with diabetes. You've just heard about the work MSF's doing, but now we're also calling on big pharma and governments to play their part to ensure insulin is available for everyone, as it was always meant to be. So there are three things we want to happen. First, pharmaceutical companies need to bring their prices down. Insulin and the whole treatment bundle that includes insulin pens, syringes and glucose monitoring devices, this needs to be affordable. We cannot stand by and watch the big three insulin manufacturers attach ever-growing price tags to treatment when we know that their costs are much lower. Secondly, governments need to use this year to start working together through what's called the Global Diabetes Compact. This is a World Health Organization initiative that supports countries to run diabetes care and prevention programs. And finally, we want to be able to continue our research and innovation to find new ways of giving patients access to the latest tech and treatments. We want the freedom to share this research and ultimately save lives. So we'll mark this centenary with optimism and hope that the next 100 years will be much better for everyone living with diabetes. For more true stories from the front line of medical emergencies, subscribe via your podcast provider or visit msf.org.uk slash podcast.